Hi everyone, welcome to STEPS audio channel. We are very excited to share our content from STEPS events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel and we hope you enjoy the content. Hello, it all works, that's good. Um, so yeah, thank you so much everyone for, for joining the afternoon. Um, so again, we've got another all-female panel here, so excited to have my uh, illustrious uh, panelists with us today. So today we are talking all things retail. So I'm really excited about this one uh, as well. So I work with a lot of retail brands from a communications perspective, but I'm looking forward to understanding a bit more around driving growth in high traffic shopping seasons. So that's what we're here to talk about today. So how do we do that? If you think about the shopping seasons we've got, you know, whether it's Ramadan, whether it's Cyber Monday, Black Friday, whether it's the Dubai Shopping Festival, there's so many different kind of peaks and troughs, I think, in shopping that we need to make sure from a retail perspective that we're really kind of maximizing that piece and helping to kind of drive that traffic uh, in store and online as well. So over the course of this session, we're gonna be touching on uh, a few different things. So how do you cut above the noise when it comes to these high traffic shopping seasons? Everyone's trying to do the same thing. So how do you cut above the noise of your competitors? We're going to be going through some best practice examples about how you can do that. Uh, we're also gonna be looking at some innovative technology uh, from a, a kind of tech perspective, but also a logistics perspective to find out how you actually go about and achieve that. Well, without further ado anyway, just to briefly introduce uh, my colleagues as well, we've also got uh, Nora Torkey, uh, who is a senior uh, marketing manager for Al Shire Group. Um, Nora's actually got an amazing career that spans, I think, 13 years working with uh, companies such as, uh, obviously, Al Shire Group, but also Johnson & Johnson, where she helps lead teams from a marketing perspective, helping to drive sales as well across multiple different categories. Uh, and also, um, I know you guys know each other very well anyway. Anyway, uh, we also have Mona Farris as well, who's an industry expert as well, again, with some incredible industry experience working across uh, companies, including Johnson & Johnson as well, where Mona's got some really interesting digital expertise as well. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you uh, both today. So um, let's, let's start then. Let's get into the thick of it. Um, perhaps, um, so Nora, if I can actually start with you, um, tell us a little bit about some of those strategies that you think could be quite effective for retailers when they're kind of managing these uh, high peaks and high traffic uh, shopping seasons? Um, I think it's a really important question because it really taps into a reality of today's competitive landscape. I mean, more than ever, consumers today have so many choices. They are bombarded by messages from different brands. And on top of that, they're becoming smarter even with their shopping choices. I mean, more than ever, we're all equipped today to be able to make informed decisions when it comes to our next purchase. We know exactly what products I need to buy, where to go search for it, and where to do that. So I think it's really important when there is a high peak uh, when it comes to shopping seasons is how am I going to cut through that clutter? And what strategy am I going to have to be able to really stand out compared to my competitors or compared to other players in, in similar categories that I'm also playing in. And if I wanna break this down, I would pinpoint on five main strategies, which is how can you make sure that you're targeting the right audience at the right time, in the right place, with the right message and the right product. And I really call this the winning formula because in order for you to kind of scale everything that you do from in, in terms of 
targeting your consumer, you need to make sure that you're tapping across these points. And if I just give a couple of examples on these sort of points is that if you think about it from an audience standpoint, it became far 10 times easier compared to days back in the days when we had to sit down and kind of think how are we going to find the right target consumer and right audience and all of that. Now it's easier than ever with data to be able to quickly segment your customers, understand who's the right profile that I want to be targeting them and what kind of um, a, a data are they, are they consuming or content are they consuming where I'm, I'm able to kind of uh, be there for them. So I think audience, being able to segment your audience, understand your audience really well to be able to be relevant to them is really, really important. With that comes as well as what time should I be talking to them? And this really, really differs based on the type of product or the nature of industry that you're playing in. And I'll give a very, um, a very good example of something that's coming up, which is Ramadan. And Ramadan, usually the first thing that I'm sure comes on top of everyone's mind is food. Why? In reality done the the 30 40 window of uh, days before ramadan people are shopping or searching for things like dining tables accessories lights how can i get my house prepared for ramadan how can i make sure that my house is is cozy enough with my ramadan vibes as i'm, I'm as i'm inviting my friends and my loved ones at home so people are searching for that and you don't want to be missing out on that window when it comes to that's the most relevant kind of time to be talking to them which is pre ramadan then you think about food industries, food and beverage and groceries and all of that. It's that one week and first two weeks of Ramadan, which really, really spikes. And I'm sure people who have spent quite some time in Ramadan here know how the traffic is during Ramadan in most of supermarkets and grocery shops, because that's when people go in with their shopping lists and they're ready and actively looking for these products. Then if you look at the last 10 days for brands that play in apparel or clothing, People are searching for clothes for aid, preparing for their next trip for to travel with the family. So people are actively looking for that. And on top of that, they're probably tired of cooking at home that they're willing to start exploring food and beverage outside home. And that's when brands into hospitality can really tap into this. So I just wanted to give this example because it's not a linear kind of approach of Ramadan is coming. I need to talk to everyone at that specific period. It's about how are you targeting people at the right moments when it comes to the relevancy of your product with that specific time frame. The next point is place. I mean, more than ever, we can't expect our customers to come to us. I think you'll all relate to this. You want to be served content in the places where you're actually there, and you need to make sure that you're targeting them at the right place. So with that comes a lot of, and I'm sure you're familiar with a lot of the, the strategies that comes into how can I make sure that I make the best out of the PIMO kind of strategy, which is my paid, earned, managed, and owned channels. How do I make sure that across the funnel, I'm utilizing these channels? to be able to target my customers at the right place. And it again links back to the first two points that I said is that your audience, make sure that you're targeting them at the right time, but also at the right place. Because if you're not talking to them, the younger generation who are literally consuming data about their health on TikTok, <laughs> you need to be talking to them there. So it's really, really important to be pushing your content on platforms that are really, really native to that. Last two points are the, pro the place, uh, the, the, the message and the product. Make sure that relevancy and localization is key. 
you need to make sure that it's no longer a one blanket approach of uh, let's use a content that we developed in another market and let's hope and pray that it's going to work here as well. More than ever, local localization of content and driving that relevancy on, on specifically capitalizing on very locally relevant moments in this region is really important to be able to capture your audience at that time so that you create that kind of you know hype for them to be eager to go and shop for your products at that time. And of course, the product. Make sure that you have the right products, be it an online or offline. Make sure that from an online perspective, it's really set up. And we're going to be talking a lot about that as well. But also from an offline perspective, make sure that your store is set up and gives that similar experience for people so that they feel like they want to go in and be part of, you know, um, uh, this shopping experience. Amazing. Uh, thank you. That was, yeah. that was super interesting. I had, I learned a lot just in those points that you raised there. And I think just to draw some comparisons to the, the podcast session that we just looked at as well, they also talked about the localization of content yeah. as well. So making sure that you understand your customer, their customer behavior, which we'll also come on to as, as well. So thank you for that. Um, Moina, if I just turn to you and um, one thing that Nora sort of picked up on her last point was that kind of online offline experience. Um, tell us a bit about how retailers can kind of use the, the online and offline experience to really kind of drive um, sort of consumer behavior and drive kind of higher footfall. How can they kind of capitalize on, on uh, the online and offline experience to deliver that great uh, piece for customers? So that's a great question. So Online has become a reality. Uh, obviously, COVID accelerated it massively, but online is a reality. And when we look at it, for example, a study that was done by Checkout.com, uh, which surveyed around more than 15,000 people in UAE, 90, more than 95% of people shop online. So the retailers that choose to ignore the reality of online will inevitably lose. So just to set the scene to begin with. <laughs> now, if we talk about strategies, whether online or offline during high shopping seasons, I think I'll start off with online. One of the first things that you need to make sure of is that your website is equipped for high traffic. The worst thing ever is that when you have a sale and people are waiting for it, they try to log on to your um, platform and obviously it crashes. This usually happens with tickets. For, for example, Coldplay tickets. I remember me, my husband, my father, I, I almost let my three-year-old daughter go on the website so we can get Coldplay tickets, but the website kept on crashing. So obviously, if we are in a high shopping season, this can either get shoppers to switch to another brand because, you know, for example, I'm buying makeup, Huda Beauty website is not working, I'm going to go on Charlotte Tilbury. At the end of the day, I want a mascara. So the most important thing is to get your website to work. The second thing is um, in terms of your customer service and in terms of how making sure that consumers or shoppers are actually happy with the experience that they're coming in. So what do I mean by that? For example, having chatbots on your website to help people with different things. So a great example of that is on FentiBeauty.com, for example, where they have a shade finder for your um, foundation, for example. So it helps people make the right decisions and it helps capture people and not lose them to other competitors because it's a very competitive industry. I'm talking about Black Friday where most people choose to stock up on different things that they have. So at the end of the day, if you don't have the mascara, or if, uh, um, you don't have what I'm looking for, I'm simply going to go to another website, whether it's Noon versus Nemshi, whether it's the Beauty versus Fenty. So there are too many options. So make sure that your infrastructure is equipped to handle that. From an offline perspective, 
obviously point of sale is super important. I think Nura said something about when you, you know, when you walk into a store, you don't want it to be extremely crowded and then you don't know what to do with the items that you just got. How many of us felt that frustration? So you don't want to have that. So one of the things that you can encourage is obviously self-checkout for the items of 10 or pieces or less. The infrastructure is available in the region, but I feel that there's a lot of education that needs to happen on that because a lot of people see the self-checkout. They just don't go for it. Whether they think it's complicated, whether they think you, know, you need a specific app, whether they don't understand what this line is for so it's a lot of education needs to happen there and something that's blended between both offline and online is content so content is absolutely key in order for you to differentiate yourself from different competitors um, let's talk again about Black Friday if you say that you have a 75% off sale great good for you so does the other brand and so does this one so how why should i in black friday invest my time and go to your website versus competitors what are you offering me that others are not so here you can talk about the quality of your product you can talk about or highlight the branding of your product in order to make sure that you're capitalizing on that moment rather than just you know discounts here amazing wow that's that's gives a lot to sort of think about um and i i wanted to sort of turned some of the points you talked about it was all it seemed to have a lot around personalization as well and providing that extra experience to, to kind of give back to customers that sort of differentiates you from the rest of the crowd and I guess during high traffic um, shopping seasons when everyone is trying to get a slice of the customer dirham or dollar like how you have to kind of constantly be looking to how you punch yourself above that parapet how you kind of deliver that extra customer experience how you like offer a seamless journey if it's online so all of that sort of comes into play um, now, I just wanted to turn to sort of the role of technology here now, if um, I may, Nora, and talk a bit about data and analytics uh, on that sort of side of thing. Um, how does that sort of help um, in the whole process? You know, what types of, of things can you identify if using data and analytics when it comes to customer preferences? And, and how can you kind of harness that to basically benefit uh, you as the retailer? I think you'll all agree here in the room that data is power. At the end of the day, it's really a gold mine that every single business and retail has today is having access to your customers' information and data, being able to map out their shopping preferences, their behaviors, their patterns, and being able to kind of understand that customer and shopper journey to be able to embed this in your strategies as you're trying to target them. But at the same time, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, if you're not analyzing the data the right way, you might be making the wrong conclusions when it comes to your business. And this is why it's really important that you talk about data and analytics together because they really, really come in hand in hand together. And if we try to understand a bit more about analytics, and this comes a lot with trying to first collect the data, then try to segment it. And a lot of examples that a lot of, and a lot of the discussions that I'm having nowadays, especially in the retail world, is how do we look at customer segmentation? I mean, it's not a one blanket approach. Customer segmentation needs to be looked at at different points because a very common hypothesis is that I'm going to go after my most valuable people who are spending the much in stores and make sure they come back during these high traffic seasons because they were most likely going to buy. Reality is it's not. 
our customers are evolving, their shopping interests are changing, and they do and they are not loyal anymore like they are before. And this is why loyalty is a hot topic in every single retailer and, and, and brand because it's really hard to keep your customers loyal. And this is why when you're looking at that segmentation of data is how do you look at it from an RFM approach, which is recency, frequency, and monetary value. Because if you just segment your data and you expect the same segmentation is going to work by our old school demographics, this is where they shop, this is how, uh, uh, how, this is how much they spend, you're most likely going to miss out on your high value audiences who are coming back to your stores, who are buying you frequently, and who are super loyal to your brands. And these are the ones you want to be targeting them and investing on targeting them during those high traffic seasons, because the fact that they are going to come to you is really high, because that frequent purchase is there, and they kind of want to be here that. But also CRM comes into play. Because with this data that you have and the customer profile segmentation that you've done, how are you putting these personas behind your customers, creating profiles for them and understanding how am I going to target them? And a lot of examples comes into place that by looking at how can I target them? So as an example, if I'm a shopper that comes to your store every day and I've kind of not visited you in the last 40 days and I have a big sale coming up, Use their data through the CRM approach and talk to them and tell them, we've missed you. Guess what? We have a new collection coming out. Come and visit us. And reward them for that. I think rewarding customers for being loyal is really important for them to continue to come back. But it's also important that from a segmentation standpoint, you talk to your high-value audiences from a loyalty standpoint, then start looking into how can I start attracting new people during that time? through the data that I have. Who who's has shopped in my shop recently? How many times have they bought a pair of jeans that most probably I'm gonna have part of my collection during that shopping season? So kind of mapping out that data and creating that and analyzing it to be able to create insights, actionable insights out of it is really, really critical to be able to capture that hype during the high traffic seasons with your customers. So. Definitely data is power. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that, that's interesting. And it's interesting you're talking about the, the CRM piece as well and, and a couple of those examples about what, what brands need to do on customer loyalty front. Um, I do a bit of work with, with the Landmark Group and they, uh, with Baby Shop in particular, they do this something where they have the Baby Shop. It's kind of like a personal shopper, but they have the Baby Shop personal shopper and that kind of piece really sort of helps with that customer loyalty piece. So bringing that shopper back in, helping kind of increase the basket size, giving them that personalized experience that keeps them coming back and again and again. So I thought that's quite a, an interesting one. Um, Mona, I just wanted to ask you sort of on that kind of examples of best practice really and perhaps also uh, Nora as well to to get your thoughts on it also have you seen sort of any examples of um, particularly for marketing and advertising campaigns that you thought have worked really well in terms of kind of demonstrating to customers that this retailers you know you should go there this is where you need to be during uh, high traffic shopping seasons um, what's your sort of thoughts on any marketing and advertising campaigns that you think have been quite effective so when it comes to the high traffic uh, moments, like I said, content is absolutely key in order for you to differentiate yourself from other brands. So one of the great examples of that is, um, or an example that I can actually speak to, because I've worked on it, <laughs> is um, um, during Ramadan. Obviously, Ramadan is one of the biggest seasons in, in the Middle East. Think about it like the Super Bowl in the US. Um, and 
So basically, one of the things that um, we've worked on is we wanted to introduce Neutrogena, which is a US-based uh, brand, part of Johnson & Johnson, to the Arab consumers um, during that moment, just to make sure that it's locally relevant. And obviously, during Ramadan, everybody's talking about why you should choose their brand during Ramadan. And it's very hard to speak about a beauty brand during Ramadan when we know a lot of people choose to be modest during this month and not use a lot of skincare, not use a lot of products. It's more about a month about reflection. So how do we tackle that and how do we enter a space where we're already kind of have conservations about where you need to go? And we created, we, de we decided to co-create with Google um, and understand from them what are the trends. So like Nura said, what are the consumers actually doing during the month of Ramadan? And this is where we saw that actually skincare in spikes during Ramadan because women give their skin a break from makeup. So instead of putting on makeup, they actually choose to put skincare. So if you look at the search trends, they kind of peak up during Ramadan. And we decided to utilize that and talk about what are the search, most searched questions uh, on Google in order for us to answer them from, on Neutrogena's behalf. We got uh, the celebrities, influencers, obviously, to be part of it, and we created a YouTube Ramadan series, basically. And it was a 30-minute episode. What was astounding is that a 30-minute episode had a higher VTR than a 30-second ad. So actually people watched the entire 30 minutes. And it really does show you that content is absolutely key because we usually say that consumers have the attention span of a goldfish, but that's the case for anybody if you're showing content that's not relevant for them. So really relevance is super important in order for you to make sure that you collect the right consumer. Yeah, absolutely amazing. That's a, what a great example and congratulations on, on that, that campaign as well. Uh, Mona, did you, did you want to add anything at all um, to that on anything you've seen perhaps in your previous work that you thought no. had worked quite well? No, I think Mona touched on a really important point, which is personalization and the relevancy of how can you make sure that you're using existing search trends and real consumer needs and not try to come up with your own kind of, you know, trend and make something yeah. out of it, you know? So how do you capitalize on existing real examples of customer needs or consumer needs and creating content out of that so that you're able to kind of drive that awareness and education? So I think the whole personalization relevancy is yeah. really something that will continue to be top of mind when it comes to any campaigns or best practices or all of that. Yeah, no, amazing. No, thank yeah. you. Well, I know we've got a, some five minutes left, but I wanted to ask a couple more questions before we uh, wrap and um, hopefully go to some audience questions as well. One of them was, um, we talked a bit about marketing, we talked a bit about personalization and loyalty. From a logistics perspective, I just wanted to talk a bit about, maybe sounds a little dry, but inventory levels. So how do you make sure you, <laughs> that exciting topic we almost get to, but um, in terms of how do you keep, how do you ensure that when, during these kind of periods of, of high traffic hot shopping seasons, how do you make sure that you just order enough stock, you have just the right amount there, that you're not going to run out? You always see these kind of big images, or certainly back in the UK on Boxing Day sales, when there's yeah. queues of people outside the door, everyone's fighting over the last garment. But how do you, from a retail perspective, make sure that you have enough uh, supply? Yeah. I guess it's a dream for any business or retail <laughs> to strike that right balance when it comes to planning for their inventory. But I think I would go back again to the whole data piece is that 
when you understand your data, you understand the trends and you understand your customer, it's about how are you using this data to overlay it with that seasonality of your product? Because you're the expert when it comes to your product. Now you understand your customer really well. You understand their behaviors and you understand these trends. How am I mapping this out when I'm looking at that seasonality for my products? And I think there's a really interesting term that I like to use is being proactively active. And this is really important when in a supply chain specifically is that how do I make sure that I'm planning for things that are unexpected and be it, for example, I'm sure a lot of you have experienced one day roads on Dubai are lo blocked everywhere. There's traffic and all of a sudden you find out there's a holiday in Saudi and everyone in Saudi flew back here and they end up buying all the stock that we wanted to buy as residents. And, and this is something that is really, really common when it comes to the retail spaces. How do I make sure that I'm planning out of from an external focus standpoint, not just on the data that I have internally? How how am I mapping that out with the external factors outside to make sure that that's captured when I'm looking at my inventory levels, about the product mix, who's going to be visiting me at this time, what are the tourists, what are their profiles and all of that, and make sure that I have something for them at that time. So I think this is really something that's really important. The other part is that the nightmare of any retailer or business is we call it the dead stock or stock out. So you either have stock that you're sitting on that piles up and nobody's buying because you just didn't strike the right balance of the right quantities or the right products portfolio that you want to have. And then you end up with losing your margins and then finance comes, knocks your door, takes your budget and you end up with nothing for the rest of the year. Or you have the other case, which is you run out of stock. And again, this is a huge missed opportunity because you'll have a lot of frustrated customers who would have probably tried to buy your product or came all the way to a mall or were even shopping online and they were disappointed that they couldn't find your product. So a lot of it is to do with, again, mapping out those trends, understanding the seasonality of your products and having that sort of safety stock, if I may call it, to make sure that I have that buffer there, especially for my high selling items, to make sure that it doesn't run out all of that. The last point is, if there's a trend going on, and this is when, again, it goes back to being proactively active, if there's a trend going on about a specific product or about a specific usage of a product, how many times have we seen that happen? And I think Mun and I were discussing it the other days in Super Bowl, I think, People who have watched it and what Fenty Beauty has done, they literally ran out of stock a few hours after the show because of what happened there. And this was something completely unexpected. But I think when you do something like that with such a PR stunt, you would expect the likelihood of you running out of stock. So it's about how do you start building that? Yeah. So I think a lot to do with mapping out your data, making sure that you're linking it to your products and looking at external lens as well when it comes to planning it would be the top highlights for me. Brilliant. No, thank you so much. Um, and I want to get to my last question as well, because I was, I was really interested in this one. Um, just on e-commerce, um, Slee, thinking about bricks and mortar, the, the physical high street, as, as it were, um, the physical kind of shops versus the e-commerce brands, you know, the Amazons of this world. How, how do you compete against big players like that um, during these high traffic shopping seasons? You know, they've got so many deals, they're kind of so much in your face, it feels. So how do retailers um, compete with those uh, e-commerce brands like that? Um, if I can ask you, Mona. Um, so I think one of the things that I've seen recently, actually, um, is 
price matching. So actually Carrefour did this, and it was a huge campaign, I think last year, where they would price match whatever you saw on e-commerce um, in their store. And this was obviously a very big um, a tactical thing that they needed to do in order for them to make sure that they're not losing the big chunk of the business that they did during COVID time. So they're trying to regain that back. So price matching is obviously one of the things that you can do. It's also done a lot in the States. Um, obviously, you need to make sure that you're not, you know, diluting absolutely your profits because e-commerce, there's a lot of parallel trades. There is a lot of people who buy wholesale and then sell it, for example, at a very cheap price on Amazon. Um, so you need to make sure that you're kind of wary about that. So that's one. Two is customer service. So we were just talking about this. Um, customer service can differentiate you and it can make you. So there's a very famous Warren Buffett quote, which says, you know, you can build a reputation in five years and ruin it in five minutes. It's very true, specifically in brands. Consumers are, and shoppers are extremely vocal when they're negative. So not when they're positive, when they're negative. So make sure that your customer service is really top-notch. And this actually happened to a very big brand. I'm not going to say the name, but you can find it on Twitter uh, most recently, and it's an apparel brand. The third thing is, when it comes to e-commerce and, um, and making sure that you compete with them is audience versus community. So big brands tend to talk to audiences. So it's a one-way conversation while indie brands have the advantage of building a community where they have feedback and 360 um, conversation with their consumers. So whether it's co-collaboration, whether it's understanding from them what they want to see. So retailers can actually do that. So for example, uh, for makeup brands, do they want makeup artists to come? To, who are the makeup artists that they want to come to the store to teach them the makeup tricks and so on. So it's a 360 conversation, which makes it a lot easier. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, appreciate time's up, but I'm just going to squeeze in a very quick uh, summary anyway. I think a couple of things I've learned from today as well, you know, the importance of personalization, the importance of building on that customer loyalty, having that seamless customer experience, uh, and basically having a very good view on what the competition is doing so that you're making sure that during those high traffic shopping seasons, you're really kind of uh, pushing for the best. But I just wanted to check from Mona and Nora, what would you say are the, the kind of key things that retailers uh, in the audience or people in working into brands should think about when it comes to these uh, high traffic shopping seasons? So I think I'm going to take content. <laughs> I'm going to say content is absolutely key. If, uh, one of the most important things that, you know, across my career, across my nine years of working in beauty, content will can make or break a brand, uh, whether it's an indie brand, whether it's a big brand. So a lot of startups as well, you know, say, how can I compete with the big brands and what can differentiate you from them is content. I think customer service as well is super important. I think, Nura, what would you say? No, I think it's, it's really the agility yeah. of being able to adapt to that. You know, during these high traffic seasons, you're going to have a lot of people in your store, a lot of customers are either happy or unhappy, depending on whether or not they found the product they want. It's, it's really that agility to say, there is a trend out there. Let me capitalize on something people are talking about and adapt my content to talk about it. Or let me make sure that my store, I'm moving products from a merchandising perspective on products that are selling better or put on front products that are not getting the right attention. So I think a lot of it to do with agility um, in general when it comes to how quick are you adapting to the evolving and changing of the landscape of your customers, but also in terms of, you know, how and when and where are they shopping and all of that. So I would really 
summarize it with agility. Brilliant. Well, agility <laughs> and content. Thank you so much, um, Mona and Nora, for joining me today. That's been brilliant. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on Anrami, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Follow us on social media at Step Conference and let's stay in touch.